0: Yet this morning we will look at an incident in his life to see who this prophet was, who this man was that was used so powerfully by God. What was his identity? This morning we'll look at two aspects of his identity as a prophet of God, but more importantly as a child of God who encounters God and is reminded of the very character. The nature, the heart of God. And we'll pick up in our Bibles in 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 19. And you can turn there or if you pick up one of the Bibles in one of the chairs in front of you, it's on page 301. And we, I'm going to start reading a little earlier than I intended first. I started at verse 9, but I'm going to... Pick up in verse 3 of chapter 19 and read through verse uh, 18. And this is then an aspect of the life and ministry of Elijah. Then Elijah was afraid and he rose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under the broom tree, and behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there at his head, a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore the mountain and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed the prophets with a sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go return your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael, to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. The one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to be put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Elijah was a prophet of God. And he was one who was faithful and fearless. We read through the account of his life and how he longed for the people of Israel to follow God, to worship him, to know him, to enjoy that fellowship with God and to know his blessings. He was one who sought to communicate God's love to them, who warned them because he saw them going astray. For Israel had turned aside from worshiping God and was worshiping Baal, an alternate God. And it was not merely the people, but they were led by a king, King Ahab, who was leading the people astray, who had married Jezebel, a woman who was committed to worshiping Baal. And all of this reinforced, and and everyone who was worried about their position, their position in the kingdom, their authority, they went along with it. They were carried along with it until the voice of Elijah was simply one speaking into the air, it seemed. No one wanted to hear. No one wanted to listen. And in that circumstance, we think of how Elijah was fearless. He stood for the truth. And we have a background to our text. It's in the previous chapter and It's wonderful to read these things, but we have limited time. And so I want to just summarize it. There is a confrontation that Elijah the prophet will stand for God. And he will challenge the prophets of Baal. You think of others in the Old Testament who took their stand for God. We think of David, who stood against the giant Goliath. Here you have Elijah, one lone prophet of God. And he stands against 450 prophets of Baal. And he sets forth a challenge. Let us make an altar. You make one to Baal, I will make one to the Lord God. And the God who answers with fire from heaven, We will see his answer and first all the prophets of Baal build their altar. They dance around, they call on their God, they pray for fire to come down, to ignite the altar, to burn the offering and they do it hour after hour and nothing happens. And finally it is the time for the evening offering and it is Elijah. Who builds an altar, who puts on the sacrifice, who instructs for them to pour water over it, to pour water over it again, till it is running around and fills the moat around it. And he prays to the Lord God. And fire comes down from heaven and consumes the sacrifice, consumes even the altar itself, and licks up the water. And the people see and are astounded, and they declare, the Lord, he is God. This is a great moment of triumph for Elijah and all the false prophets. He kills those who have led God's people into sin and worship of an idol. And you think, what do you do after such a great triumph? A great triumph such as that when the rain then again comes because there have been three and a half years of drought and Elijah prays and the rain comes and and what was the expectation of Elijah? Surely now the people have seen the demonstration of the power of God having received the rain as his blessing so that the crops will grow. Surely they will be faithful in their response to God. But that is not what happens. Instead, Elijah receives word from Jezebel and says, as you have killed my prophets, I will kill you by tomorrow. And no one stands up to defend him. The people do not rise up and say, no, we have seen the work of the true and living God. And at that point, Elijah flounders. He has been the faithful, fearless prophet. And now he, he flounders. Where can he go? What, would, what can happen? The people have seen with their own eyes. They have felt the rain and yet they do not Turn. To the Lord God. And he despairs. He despairs of the people. Of his ministry. The hearts of the people were not changed. And here. As he goes. As he he lays down. As he says to God. Essentially I'm finished. Take my life. What can be accomplished? He lays down, ready to die. His ministry, ineffective. The people remaining in their commitment to a false God. But here we then see Elijah, the child of God. As God cares for him, as God will nurture him, sustain him, reveal himself to him, there is that care. And Elijah first is given this food that's prepared for him by an angel. He eats twice and he is able to go 40 days and 40 nights in the strength of that food. You think of that here again, God showing his care as he travels as he has that time to, to rest, to think, to meditate. As he is sent to the mount of God. Where God had first revealed himself to his people through Moses. Where God had revealed himself to Moses. He brings him to that place that he might be reminded. Elijah might be reminded of who God is. The God who has chosen his people. The God who is able to deliver his people from Egypt and bring them safely through the wilderness and to bless them. But Elijah needs correction. He needs to be reoriented, to understand that though he would view his ministry as something that has, has failed, that the people of God are yet turned away from God that he has looked too much to his own ministry. And therefore God asks him a simple question. As he is there on the mountain, and the word of the Lord comes to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing? It is a a question meant to search his soul. What is he seeking to do? How does he evaluate his ministry, his life? And Elijah is still caught up in all the things that he has done. I have been very zealous for the Lord. He has desired for the people to turn to understand the truth. He has been busy, he has been focused, and yet Israel has forsaken the covenant. They have thrown down the altars, they have killed the prophets, and now they're after him, and and that's all his mind is filled with. And as God corrects him, he doesn't do so in the thunderous voice of power, but he teaches Elijah. He reminds him of who he is and his power. And God tells him to stand on the mountain. And God passes by. And you have three events that happen in succession of great power demonstrated. The first would be a great wind as a tornado that tears through the mountain, that lifts rocks and smashes them. And Elijah would be able to feel the wind, to hear the rocks crashing against each other. And yet the text tells us that God was not in the wind. And after the wind and earthquake, where the mountain shakes, the very foundations shake, and and no doubt Elijah was wondering, where do I stand? How do I stand? But again, God is not in the earthquake. And then a raging fire comes across the mountain. Perhaps you have seen pictures of fires out west. The flames leaping, devouring everything before them. And here is what happens on the mountain. And again, God is not in the fire. And then a still small voice, a whisper, comes. And Elijah knows, here is God. Here is God. And again, the same question comes to Elijah. Elijah, what are you doing here? Now, maybe we shouldn't hold it against Elijah, but we think he's a little bit of a slow learner. He answers the same thing. And you just think, uh, Elijah, wait a minute. God is trying to teach you something. And we say, well, what was God teaching him? As he had these revelations of great authority, of power over nature, the great wind, the earthquake, the fire. Here, the power of God, that these things had been demonstrated when God came down on the mountain with Moses the first time. That the earth shook, the mountain blazed, that this was a holy place. There was the power of God demonstrated, but Elijah was to see that God was not in the power. The exercise of his power is not God himself. That here you see God caring for Elijah's child. That he comes to him and he speaks to him in this still, small voice. He whispers to him. Think of what a condescension that is on God's part to Elijah. Could he not have told him, what are you doing, you fool? Do you not know my great power? Do you not know me as a sovereign king? Why are you sitting there feeling sorry for yourself? And yet God comes in this whisper. He comes showing that he condescends. He comes down to Elijah's level. And he instructs him. He is reminding him. That here in this mountain, he again comes to Elijah as he came to his people. And what does he do then to Elijah? He commissions him. No, your ministry is not done. I am at work amongst my people. He is to go and to anoint men to become kings. Who will carry out God's judgment against those who are in hardened rebellion against him. But it is not hopeless. God tells Elijah something that he did not know. Elijah had said, I, I only am left, and they're seeking to kill me, and that's going to be the end. God says, no, there are 7,000 people who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Isn't that not astounding that Elijah, as he ministered amongst all the people, he had not encountered one of these 7,000 people? And he thought that he was the only one? There is a reminder as God says, I am at work. I have my people. And though it looks to you like everything is lost, I am at work. And Elijah, as a child of God, has been cared for has been fed, has been given that reminder of who God is. But I want us then to take that teaching and think about how do we apply that to ourselves. Now, we live in a culture where they can do wonderful things with video and make everything look bigger and better than it really is. And we're drawn to these things that, that have the manifestation of galactic importance. Last weekend, I think the, the biggest drawing film, I think it was $66 million people paid to go and see, was um, Black Panther, the, the sequel, I can't remember what it is, keeping... I think I wrote it down somewhere. Oh, yeah. Wakanda forever. And and what is it? It's dealing with things of greater proportion than you and I are going to have in our life. Universes, powers, authorities. and, And think of how many people are drawn to that. They want something bigger than life. And the danger is that We look for that in our engagement with God. Perhaps you're here this morning and not a believer. You wonder, is God there? And you say, no, if I could see something, if I could see something in real life on the same scale that I see on the movies, then I could believe. And here in this story, we're reminded that it will not be the great event that will be able to change your heart. Think of Israel that saw Elijah pray to the Lord, fire come down from heaven, consume the sacrifice, the altar, the water. And for the moment, what do they do? They cry out, the Lord, he is God but where are they the next day? They are not changed. We may think of the history of Israel. At Mount Sinai, they heard the voice of God thundering. They heard that. They saw the fire that burned on the top of the mountain. They felt the earth shake. And they knew the power of God was there. And yet, as Moses is up on the mountain, what do they do? They make an idol and worship it. And you see the history of Israel again and again. They would see the power of God, and and yet that was insufficient to keep them. No, it is the still, small voice of God as he comes, as he reveals himself in that, his condescension, his coming to our level. And how has he done that? He has done that in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, eternal in the heavens, God, the second person of the Trinity, And he comes to the earth to speak God's word to you and to me. In Jesus' day, there were those who heard Jesus, but they did not believe him. And what would they do? They came to him and they said, John 6, verse 30, what sign will you perform that we may see it and believe you? The same question is, show us something great and we'll believe you. And Jesus knew that would not change their hearts because it was not that there was a lack of the evidence of the power of God in Jesus Did he not calm the raging sea? Did he not heal the sick? Did he not raise the dead? What more did they want? They wanted to make themselves the judge of Jesus. And Jesus said, no. There will be no sign for that generation other than the sign of Jonah. That Jesus would die and be raised again but he speaks to them as that still, small voice of God. He shows in that the love and care of God for his people. And we are to remember that in in the church. There are different times in church history where you see people who want to try to portray the great power of God. And yes, he is the power that is beyond all other powers. He is the one able to shake the world with his voice. But the church sometimes has preached fire and brimstone as if I could scare you into the kingdom. And you might be scared for a time. And you might say, I'm going to change or God's going to get me. Or it might be that the church says, let's seek the power of God. And you have a movement of signs and wonders where we're going to see this power encounter with God that we can en- and enable ourselves to participate in it. Or even today, you have Preachers who would say, I need to be bold and brash and confront you. And then we look at Scripture. And we're reminded that in the book of Hebrews, the writer says, In these last days, God has spoken to us by his Son. And how has He spoken? There were those when Jesus came, they wanted to see him lead armies against the Romans to conquer the enemy. But they missed the Old Testament prophets who spoke of the coming Messiah in very different terms. Isaiah 42 Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out, nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the streets, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. Do you see the contrast there? Jesus comes in humility, born in a manger. As we enter the Advent season, as we are reminded that God has come to earth, not with all of his magnificence and power and glory that would overwhelm us and destroy us, but he comes as a baby. To speak God's words. To say, here is the heart of God. Even as Moses, though he was on the top of the mountain, though he saw the evidence of the power of God around him, when he wanted to see God, what does he hear? The Lord, the Lord God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. This is what Elijah was reminded of in that still, small voice. Here is the heart of God. Here is how God comes to you today. Not with threats, with a demonstration of power that overwhelm you, but in the still, small voice of Jesus who says, come to me. You are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. That he is the one who says, come to me. I will not turn you away. I will not cast you out. Here is the glorious message of the gospel. That Elijah had to be reminded of. He had seen and called for the exercise of the power of God, but it did not change the hearts of the people. He, in righteous anger, had killed 450 prophets of Baal, and yet it had not brought Israel back to God. And he thought, if this doesn't do it, what will? And God reminds him, it's my still, small voice that challenges your heart, that asks the same question, what are you doing? How are you defining your life? What is your hope, your goals, your desires? Where do you seek God? Would you seek God? His power to be able to use it against others? Or would you seek his still small voice that speaks words of grace, of mercy, of compassion? Yes, the day will come when Jesus will be revealed in all his glory, when he will come as the judge of the living and the dead. When all will rise and stand before his judgment throne. But today, his voice goes out. It says, Come to me to find forgiveness, to find hope, to find peace. And this is the gospel that we need to hear that our relationship to God is not based on the great power that we have seen him exercise. But on him coming to speak to our hearts, to say to you, to me, What are you doing? It is not in the power of judgment, but in the words of love, of compassion, that we may know and approach God. For Jesus is that word. The word that has come to say that I am the way to the Father. And therefore, we rejoice in that. And Elijah continued his ministry together with Elisha, who helped him until he was carried to heaven without dying. He finished his ministry and he was reminded again of the very character of God, And we also need to be reminded again and again when we would long to see judgment on our enemies and the enemies of God. And we are reminded, no. God has called us to speak gracious words of truth to invite all to trust in Jesus and find reconciliation with God and life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, we think of Elijah and how he was overwhelmed. That though he had seen the great power of God, though he had executed justice, yet, Lord, he would despair because he did not see the hearts of people change. Lord, may we be reminded that you have spoken in Jesus, that you revealed your love, your heart, that we are called to come to you through him, that we might find rest for our souls. May we be encouraged and strengthened. May we go forth in that encouragement to know that we as children of God cared for by God will indeed be sustained by him We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.